When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Snippet, the short podcast platform. This is Check Your Privilege, the podcast. Let's welcome anti-racism guide, mental health activist, and founder of the Check Your Privilege movement, your host, Maisha T. Hill. Hello again, and welcome to Check Your Privilege, the podcast with me, Maisha T. Hill, your guide on this journey. I'm excited to continue our series celebrating the living history of Black History Month. And this episode, I want to celebrate Black women in history and talk about the Kambihi Connection. Now, I'm sure you may or may not have heard of the Gambihi Ferry Raid of 1863. Let's talk about it. A lot of people didn't know that abolitionist Harriet Tubman commanded a military operation for the Union Army during the Civil War. The Kambahi Ferry Raid of 1863 was a raid that Harriet Tubman planned and led and was carried out by the 2nd South Carolina Volunteer Infantry Regiment and resulted in the rescue and liberation of 750 enslaved Black Americans. Y'all, I don't know how you feel about Harriet Tubman, but Harriet Tubman was a bad mamma jamma. Now, we know that she freed Many slaves, we know that she was an amazing hero for black folk. But I also learned another interesting fact this week about Harriet Tubman. And I learned it from my friend, Mary Fashik of Upgrade Accessibility. Harriet Tubman was not just a powerful leader, but she was also a black woman with a disability. She had epileptic seizures and hypersomnia. They say that this came due to a traumatic brain injury when a slave owner struck her on the head. And so it's important that when we acknowledge black women and black women in history, that we look at the intersectionality of these women. How powerful is it that a black woman who was enslaved, who freed herself and freed others, lived with this disability and went on to free thousands of others and led a ferry raid that freed an additional 750 enslaved black Americans and or I'd like to say Africans. (laughs) You know, oftentimes when we celebrate black folk, we celebrate their exceptionalism. But in the case of Harriet Tubman, we need to celebrate her intersectionality. We need to celebrate that this black woman who was disabled helped lead a revolution, helped freed so many people after freeing herself. 
That is black excellence. That is black womanhood. And that is a black woman that wanted her people set free by any means necessary. Now, I'm sure a lot of you may think of Harriet Tubman being on the $20 bill and all this and all that. But my call to action here is to recognize Harriet Tubman for who she is as a living ancestor and what she did for the emancipation of the ancestors. So as we're talking about black women in history, I want to make the connection of the Kambahi connection. So over a century after Harriet Tubman led the first woman-led U.S. military raid in Kambahi in 1863, a group of groundbreaking intersectional black feminists gathered in Boston in 1974 and took the name of a different kind of revolution. They were known as the Kambahi River Collective. This group was a group of black feminists, was a black feminist lesbian organization that was active between 1974 and 1980. And they were created because there was a sense that both the feminist movement or the civil rights movement did not reflect the particular needs of black women and lesbians. The collective joined together to develop the Kambahi River Statement, which was a key document in developing what is known as contemporary black feminism. These women were activists and intellectuals, a group who insisted on centering black feminism and liberation from the interlocking systems of oppression. And their work has had a measurable impact on social justice movements today. These women named them as interlocking systems in the 70s. And Bell Hooks reinvigorated that notion of the systems of ableism, white supremacy, patriarchy, imperialism, capitalism, as the systems, right, that held down black feminists and lesbians. You see, in 1977, they released this statement, also known as a pamphlet, and they were the first to name queer identity as part of these systems. The Kambahi River Collective also was the first to coin the phrase identity politics. Now, you wouldn't have known this, and you may know this, prior to having a deeper understanding in me facilitating the conversation. When you hear the term identity politics, it has been co-opted and corrupted, and it's been used to normalize what I'll say dominant culture wants to tell you identity politics is. You know, one of the co-founders of the Kambahi River Collective has said that the term identity politics, what it meant for them was that black women had the right to determine their own political agenda based on who they were and the multiple systems of oppression that targeted them. I'm not sure what you have heard identity politics is now, but the original intention, again, was that black women have the right to determine their own political agendas based on who they were 
and the multiple systems of oppression that targeted them. It's so moving and it's so amazing to see and hear how black women came together in the 70s to create a collective that would sit them at a table to create a pamphlet of information to name interlocking systems of oppression, to name identity politics, to name the ways in which black women and queer folk need and desire and demand to be seen, heard, and honored. So many of you have heard of this collective and you may have heard of the statement, but I want to tell you just a little bit about a couple of the founders and founding members so that you have a couple of names to go do more work and research about. So we have twin sisters, Barbara and Beverly Smith, who are founding members of the Kambahi River Collective. Last year, they celebrated their 75th birthday, and both of them continue to teach, speak, and publish books about Black feminism and LGBTQ plus issues. And you may or may not know that, but these women are radical pioneers of movements and are not paid pensions even for half a century of activism work pushing the anti-racism conversation forward in America. They have not been paid pensions. They have not been compensated And yet their supporters have established what's known as the Smith Sharing Circle, which is a people's pension to aid the livelihood of Barbara Smith. Moving toward collective liberation requires embracing collective care. And so we have founders of a movement that transforms social justice, racial justice, anti-racism work. And yet had remained uncompensated for their labor. And so supporters of their work created a Smith Caring Circle, which was a people's pension to support the livelihood of Barbara Smith. That is how you build a new system. You don't build a new system the same way you entered it. You create new ways to offer collective and community care. That is powerful healing work. That is how we heal our way forward. And this is the modeling of a collective reparative future. Another founding member I want to tell you guys about is political activist and organized Demita Frazier. Demita Frazier joined the Kambahi River Collective at age 25 and was one of the authors and architects of the 1977 statement. Demita Frazier still is an active advocate for social, racial, and gender justice in Boston and has been over the last decade. You can learn more about the work of Demita Freitra and the Kambahi River Collective and Kianga Yamahara Taylor's book, How We Get Free, Feminism and the Kambahi River Collective. I just have to take a breath because as I'm speaking these words and seeing them, On my screen, I am feeling a sense of gratitude, a sense of appreciation for the women who came before me, honoring their stories, honoring their life's work, and honoring how their work has propelled the movement to where it is today. It is their work that reminds me of the importance of trusting 
black women, protecting black women, trusting black men, protecting black men, trusting black trans people, protecting black trans people. This work is revolutionary and it came from the human spirit and the human condition to fight for individual and collective justice and individual and collective freedom. Far too many times have black folk started movements, not moments, movements, and we have had our work co-opted and renamed and redefined outside of the original intention. If we trust in black folk in this work to lead us and to guide us, then we must center their work and their experience and give back to them tenfold. You know, in, in old church, they would say, you're going to give back sevenfold. No, 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 no. We're going to give back tenfold to the work that came before us. This is black history. And this is the living history. A quote by Demita Frazier says that after enduring writing this statement, and in fact, we learned very quickly after writing the statement and continue to organize what we were up against was pretty daunting because nobody had love for us for real. No, we were really troublemakers. We were just troublemakers in the minds of so many. And that has Never, and that was never going to change because that's what we really were. So it was problematic on so many levels and also very exhilarating and wonderful. So creating this statement, they were seen as troublemakers, boat rockers, disruptors. And in fact, they believed that they were. And back then it was a problem. And for many of us today, it's still a problem, but we still make the conscious decision because of the work of the elders and the ancestors to stay in what John Lewis says, good trouble and necessary trouble so that in 10, 20, 30 years from now, the generation after me can say, you know what? This is the work. This is the living history. This is the breath of life that keeps me going towards building something new. These are four powerful women in black history. Harriet Tubman, Barbara and Beverly Smith, and Demita Frazier. Honor the living history of their work. And until we meet again, friends, keep living into your work. Peace. Peace.